My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. Your 20 to 30 minutes of a ride for your commute or your workout. Will Biden really follow the science on COVID? You need to hear the latest. Do masks and lockdowns work? Again, you need to hear the latest. And new State Department memos just released undermine the Democrats' Ukraine impeachment story. Hmm. Biden claims the Constitution is always evolving and so are your rights. No! And a BLM activist threatens to F up cop funerals. I'm sure that would be a mostly peaceful funeral. It's all coming up this edition of the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. Okay, so let's start with the science. We're told we've got to follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. And I've been saying from the beginning, which science? Science is not set in stone. The whole point of science is the scientific method. We are constantly learning new things. We used to think that the sun evolved around, revolved around the earth, right? We, we didn't used to think that you had to wash your hands before you did surgery. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we learn in science, and you're supposed to be able to debate science. And no, 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 no. Now, all of a sudden, Fauci equals science. And if you question him, you are anti-science, and you are trying to get this man killed. Oh, you think I'm exaggerating. I'll get to that story in a second. So are we really following the science? It depends on which science you like, and that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be able to look at all the science and then make your decision, which they're taking out of our hands, which is what gets so many of us upset. So here's Just Facts Daily. I would highly recommend that site, by the way, JustFactsDaily.com. And they've been looking into the science. It's in recent weeks, more medical scholars and media outlets are coming to grips with facts about mass that Just Facts has been documenting for more than a year. Yeah, we've been talking about this. If you really look at all the research on masking, they're not following the science. All right. Just Facts did a report in September, and it sourced it with more than 50 peer-reviewed science journals. And... They didn't have a lot of good things to say about masking. Here's a few of them. Dr. Vinay Prasad, Associate Professor of Epidemiology and Biostatistics, University of California, San Francisco, wrote an article about it. Scientific evidence for masking children. Quote, most of the masks worn by most kids for most of the pandemic have likely done nothing to change the velocity or trajectory of the virus. There are downsides to face coverings for pupils and students, including detrimental impacts on communication in the classroom. Masking is now little more than appealing delusion. Now, you and I have known this for quite some time because we've actually been following the science, but it's nice to see more and more doctors saying this. He goes on. Decisions to mask school children are ignorant, cruel, fearful, and cowardly. Are we going to follow the science? How about Dr. Chad Roy? Specializes in airborne infectious diseases. Sounds like a good qualification to talk about this. A professor of microbiology and immunology at Tulane University School of Medicine. Pretty good. He told the Washington Examiner, quote, Cloth and surgical masks do absolutely nothing for protection from ambient virus. Rand Paul had a YouTube removed for saying the exact same thing. Cloth and surgical masks do absolutely nothing for protection from ambient virus. All this song and dance of wearing cloth masks with some presumption that you're being protected from ambient virus is completely and positively 100% counter to how masks and respirators work, end quote. Are we going to follow the science? Greg, you can't say that. They're going to take you off Facebook and YouTube. I know, I know. And that's why I'm also on Rumble, and that's why I have a podcast. And hopefully you'll be sharing this with three people to tell them to share it with three people so that when they deplatform me, hopefully people will still hear it. 
But you got to tell the truth, man. This is a time where you have to stand up to the powers that be. Remember, it used to be speak truth to power. Come on, get free speech out there. Stand up to the man. Now, the people that used to say that are the man. Well, I, I want to be able to look my kids in the eye and say that I actually stood up for something. I hope you do too. So the Atlantic has published an analysis of school masking policies by three medical scholars. Remember, the Atlantic is a far-left magazine. I brought you the story a while ago, but let's, let's include it again. They had three medical scholars, Dr. Marjorie Smilkelson, specialist in infectious diseases at Nas National Institutes of Health, and they wrote this, quote, We reviewed a variety of studies, some conducted by the CDC itself, some cited by the CDC as evidence of masking effectiveness in a school setting, others touted by media to the same end, to try to find evidence that would justify the CDC's no-end-in-sight mask guidance for the very low-risk pediatric population, particularly post-vaccination, we came up empty-handed, end quote. Empty-handed. In other words, it doesn't work. They went on. Quote, overall takeaway from these studies that schools will mask with mask mandates have lower COVID-19 transmission rates than schools without mask mandates is not justified by the data. Is not justified by the data. Will we follow the science? And it's not just cloth masks. Hold on. Quote, as with our existing school mask policies, no real world data indicate that these N95 masks decrease transmission in school settings. See, this is key. Yes, N95 masks do help. They have to be worn exactly right. They can only be worn for a couple days before we throw it away. But the problem is they have to have a very tight fit function and you can't mess with them and kids won't do that. It may not be possible for kids, end quote. So are we going to follow the science? By the way, schools did not become hotspots when they reopened. They did not become hotspots when they reduced physical distancing. And the schools that have allowed children to go without masks have not become hotspots and super spreaders. No, 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 no. Are we following the science? Uh, the study went on. COVID-19 hospitalizations have remained extremely low among children on par with pediatric flu hospitalizations during a typical season, imposing on millions of children an intervention that provides little discernible benefit on the grounds that we have not yet gathered solid evidence of its negative effects, violates the most basic tenet of medicine, and you know what it is. First, do no harm. And they've been doing harm. Gold, stuttered, gold standard studies have only found inconsistent benefits from N95 in healthcare settings, much less community settings. Uh-oh. But it doesn't stop. Google-owned YouTube recently censored a video from Just Facts about the dangers of N95 masks, even though every fact in the video is documented with data from peer-reviewed science journals, OSHA, and the CDC, the YouTube people still pulled it for, you know, misinformation. All right, so let me get to the lockdowns. Lockdowns. This is Dave Boyer from the Washington Times. The lockdowns, according to some new research by Johns Hopkins University, had little or no impact on COVID-19 deaths. You ready? The lockdowns during the early phase of the pandemic back in 2020 reduced COVID-19 mortality by about... 0.2%. Well, at least it was 0.2%. I, I think that's in the margin of error. 0.2%. We find no effective, excuse me, we find no evidence that lockdowns, school closures, border closures, and limiting gatherings have had a noticeable effect on COVID-19 mortality. Wow. But, of course, the lockdowns did have devastating effects on the economy. 
reduced economic activity, raising unemployment, reduced schooling, political unrest, contributed to domestic violence, undermined liberal democracy. <laughs> you know, just a couple, couple little things. But it saved lives! Well, no, not really. Quote, such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument. But if it would save just one life, it'll be worth it. Well, we always have to have a cost-benefit analysis. Despite the overall findings, they did note that some evidence that closing bars helped to reduce deaths. So that could have reduced deaths by 10.6%. All right. So I don't want the bar closed. I know. I mean, make your house your own bar. And what do you mean cost-benefit analysis? People's lives are at risk. Okay. Here's what I mean. This is the easiest one that I use all the time. If we really cared about saving even just one life, then the speed limit would never be over 10 miles an hour. Right? Because if everybody drives 10 miles an hour, even in a 10-mile-an-hour wreck, nobody's dying. I mean, think about all the lives we would save, right? But see, we do this cost-benefit analysis, and we say, well, hold on a second. It's worth it to us to get places faster and to get our goods and services faster. And by the way, there's these unintended consequences. If you can only drive 10 miles an hour, what happens if somebody's trying to rush to the hospital? Well, we let them do that. Oh, so there's exceptions to the rule now of what we're doing. Cost-benefit analysis is kind of an important thing. So again... Will we follow the science? Because here's the last bit they said about the lockdowns from this Johns Hopkins report. Lockdowns have limited people's access to safe outdoor spaces, such as beaches, parks, zoos, or included outdoor mask mandates or strict outdoor gathering restrictions pushing people to meet at less safe indoor places. Indeed, we do find some evidence that limiting gatherings was counterproductive and increased COVID-19 mortality. Unintended consequences, baby. Are we following the science? We move on to more science. Oh, yeah. This is, this is the theme right now. Listen to this. I love this from Dr. Aaron Bendavid, Associate Professor of Medicine at, at, uh, at Stanford, Wall Street Journal. Measures like masking and social distancing may be doing long-term damage to our immune systems. And here's the thrust of the article. It says, look, there's a balance in everything. If you eat too much, you get fat and maybe diabetes. You don't eat enough, you stunt your growth, and you maybe die. It's the same thing with hygiene. If you're not clean at all, you get all these bad things and you get diseases. If you're too clean with all the antiseptic stuff, you don't get enough germs in you and you end up with autoimmune diseases and allergies. And we're seeing it because we need exposure to certain types of microbes. Hygiene, hygiene practices have health risks as well as benefits. Again, cost-benefit analysis. Increasingly antiseptic populations experience increasing rates of asthma, allergies, type 1 diabetes, Crohn's disease, and other diseases with a significant autoimmune component. And I've talked about this many times. The, all kinds of research shows kids who grew up in farms or out in the country or in really kind of dusty environments with a lot of animals, they have great immune systems they don't have food allergies. They don't have animal allergies compared to kids who grew up in the city with a very clean environment. Like, or, or, you know, your house is super clean and your mom's like really anal about making sure everything's clean. There's a balance of all this. And he says, we're masking these kids. They're putting all the, uh, the alcohol on their hands. They're doing all these things and it's great, except there will be some unintended consequences. And he said, right now, we don't know. It's too early to see any evidence of rising immune disorders, but we could be harming these kids more than helping them in so many different ways. Will we follow the science? The AP has a report out that's very interesting. Normally, if you're a pharmaceutical company and you're trying to get approval from the FDA, 
you bring it to the FDA. The FDA doesn't call you up and say, hey, when are you bringing that medicine to us? Well, the Biden administration for about a year now has been asking Pfizer to, I think it was Pfizer, yeah, Pfizer, to bring their vaccine for children under five to them for emergency approval. That's not how it normally works. And it sure shows you this looks a lot more political than medical. That's not good. AP, U.S. regulators are urging drug maker Pfizer to apply for emergency authorization for a two-dose regimen of its COVID-19 vaccine for children six months to five years. By the way, Pfizer's already said the two-dose probably won't do it. It's going to have to be a three-dose. doesn't matter. They're still working on it. Aiming to clear the way for the shots as soon as late February. What? For six months old? Well, I mean, it's emergency use. The, the risk of your six-month-old dying from COVID is extremely low. And we're going to rush this to it. Speeding the authorization of pediatric vaccines against COVID-19 has been a priority for more than a year of the Biden administration. That's all political. Is that following the science? And then Zeke Miller reporting, all-out effort to keep Biden COVID-free. No normal yet. That's the headline, right? So as Biden's been telling us that we need to be more normal, he's not acting normal. January 19 press conference, Biden. We have the tools, vaccines, boosters, masks, tests, pills to save lives and keep businesses and schools open. Yeah, try getting one of those antiviral pills where you live. First of all, it's very hard to find them. Secondly, they say, well, you know, it could impact your kidneys. Let's wait and see how bad you get before we give it to you. <laughs> That's nice. And, they, and he rejected the notion that still widespread restrictions reflect a new normal. But, you know, don't get too close to Biden. Keep your mask on. And what are you talking about, Greg? Well, from the AP. When President Joe Biden met with U.S. governors at the White House on Monday, he was the only one given a glass of water, lest anyone else remove their mask to take a drink. You will not unmask in front of the king. I mean, president. You will not take a drink of water. You will not talk when you're, unless you're talked to. What, what, what country am I living in? The president was seated more than 10 feet from everyone else, including Vice President Kamala Harris and members of his cabinet. Well, he just might not want to be seen by Kamala. Okay, I, that's not very nice. A White House staffer who was wearing a surgical mask when Biden entered the room quickly handed an N95 version. Well, you know, I mean, if he puts it on correctly and wears a tight fit, there's some data that that might help more than the cloth one. We just went over that. King Biden, you will genuflect. Uh, these are just some of the extraordinary efforts on the part of the White House to keep the president from COVID-19. Although... He's got the vaccinations, and he's got the booster, and he's usually double, triple masked. And yet, he tells us we're fine if we do that, but somehow he's not. Well, Greg, he's at high risk. I mean, come on. He's he's older. He's 79 years old now. Yeah, I, I understand. But you can't have it both ways, dude. You can't have it both ways. You can't tell people vaccinated and boosted, you can go on with your normal life and then act like that and not get people to drink water in your presence. That's a tough sell with his actions. But here's the good thing. Most Americans aren't listening to Biden on figuring out what they're going to do with COVID anyway. <laughs> they're, they're, they're figuring it out on their own. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Is he following the science? It sure doesn't look like it. Oh, but, and speaking of scientists, Peter Hotez is very upset. Peter Hotez is a professor of pediatrics and molecular virology at the Baylor College of Medicine, co-director of the Texas Children's Center for Vaccine Development. I think the guy is very learned. I think he has every right to say what he believes. I think he has every right to cite scientific documents. The problem is Peter Hotez thinks he owns science. He and Dr. Fauci are right. Everyone else is wrong. So he gets to tell you that if you're questioning the vaccines, you're killing people. 
But him forcing vaccines on people with vaccine mandates that he supports, no problem at all. Him saying that all these students in schools should be masked up, no problem. He can say whatever he wants. And if you question him, you are attacking him and putting his life at risk. Now, if you think I'm being hyperbolic here, here's the piece he wrote for the Boston Globe. Who will defend embattled scientists? The latest round of attacks on prominent U.S. scientists from public figures and elected officials may require the formation of a new type of organization to ensure our safety and productivity. Now, when I first read, I, th I thought this was one of the doctors that's speaking out against the status quo, that, that people are trying to cancel, that have get, been getting death threats and horrible things written about them everywhere, and people trying to make them lose their entire career. I thought that, nope, 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 nope. This is one of the status quo guys. <laughs> now, listen, I don't want anybody, anybody to be given death threats. I don't want people to be threatening people simply because they disagree with them. And unfortunately, there are crazy people on both sides. There are crazy people who, who really will issue death threats to doctors like Peter Hotez. But there are also crazy people who will put forward death threats against people like Dr. McCullough, who gives a different idea about vaccine and treatment for COVID-19. So they're on both sides, yet Peter Hotez thinks it's only one side, and he thinks if you question him, you're, quote, attacking him, and therefore anybody who questions him and attacks him is, is really adding fuel to the fire of the crazies. I, 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 it's amazing. Look, I get it. There are crazy people in the world who get mad at doctors and lawyers and teachers and talk show hosts. Yes, I've had death threats against me before in my 21 years in the radio, so I get it. Uh, politicians, but that doesn't mean that no one's allowed to question you. You don't get to decide science. We get to debate it. During the pandemic, the anti-science attacks have gotten worse. Adding to my distress is that many scientific professional organizations do not speak out to defend scientists. Yeah, I would like to see them start to defend some of these scientists that disagree with you, Dr. Hotez. I have been outspoken about the dangers of refusing a COVID-19 vaccination and have pointed out how more than 150,000 unvaccinated Americans have needlessly lost their lives since last summer as a result. You can't prove that. That, again, is a scientific theory, and people have the right to question those theories. I am vaccinated. I was glad to get the vaccine. I'm not boosted, and the more and more I read about it, I don't think I'm going to keep taking a booster every three months. Shouldn't that be my choice? You know, I, ha I have data that counters much of what he writes in this article. It's very long, but I wanted to get you a few things because he, he actually gives hyperlinks to some of the things that he's accusing other people of doing to him. And I went and followed through on the hyperlinks, and it's not what he's saying it is. Listen to this. Some elected officials have since taken this a step further by seeking to discredit individual biomedical scientists. I was ridiculed by Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida on a Fox News broadcast. Well, part of it is that this doctor predicted that Florida was going to be way worse than it was. Florida's still in the middle of the pack on per capita deaths. And by the way, has one of the highest, if not the highest, older populations in the nation. So yes, there was a spike, seasonal spike. And then the rest of the country caught up and passed Florida. New York, a highly blue state, still has higher death rates from COVID than Florida does. And yet this doctor says, well, it's the people who are... Trump supporters who won't take vaccines are the problem. Well, guess what? People have the right to have different beliefs. So I went and said, okay, Governor Ron DeSantis criticized you? Well, he was talking about a Fox News segment with Laura Ingram, and Laura Ingram criticizes him a lot more than Ron DeSantis does. Listen to this. Now, one of the most uh, notorious COVID doomers, Governor, is making more dire predictions, and it includes Florida. Watch. <laughs> 
travel and especially over the July 4th holiday, um, that, that could be a big issue. We saw that summer surge and uh, that was pretty awful, you know, in a belt that went from all the way from Arizona through New Mexico, Texas, uh, across the Gulf Coast into Florida. We just have to assume that Mother Nature is telling us this is going to happen again. That's the infamous Dr. Peter Hotez, Governor. They just can't let the pandemic go. At some point, it's they're going to have to break the addiction. Well, and it's like you know, some of these people get put out there all the time when they've been dead wrong over the last year. For example, a lot of these experts criticized Florida for getting our kids back into school in August. They said, oh, this will be two, three weeks. Everyone's going to get sick. All the schools are going to have to shut down again. And that just never happened. I think the schools were probably one of the uh, places that had the fewest amount of, uh, of infections of anywhere else in our society. Uh, so you're wrong on these really, really big issues that impacted millions of people. And you're still out there parroting stuff. So, look, I think that um, at the end of the day, we're, we're happy that we had the kids in school. We're happy that people have been able to work in Florida. And we're happy that our businesses have been open. Governor Ron DeSantis didn't even mention Dr. Hotez's name, pointed out that doctors like Hotez were wrong about the schools, and they were. Dr. Hotez was talking about how horrible it was in the summer during the in the southern states, but then as the weather changed, it was bad in the northern states just as much, regardless of the vaccination and regardless of the masking. So where's the attack there from Governor Ron DeSantis? This guy didn't even tell him the truth. He was just pointing out the doctor was wrong. Um, again, it's wrong if people are threatening this doctor, if people are giving death threats, but it's not wrong to disagree. This doctor even went after Senator Rand Paul for trying to intimidate Dr. Fauci. Well, Senator Paul is trying to get the truth out of Dr. Fauci about gain-of-function research. He's not allowed to ask those questions? No, because it gets people mad at Fauci. Well, too freaking bad. Unbelievable. So you might want to read that, but then again, you might not want to. Oh, oh, he also went after Marjorie Green and, and, and said that she was attacking him and saying he was a brown shirt. No, she simply said in a tweet, Biden pushing a vaccine that is not FDA approved shows COVID is a political tool used to control people. Now, you can agree with her or disagree with her right there. But first of all, she didn't mention any doctor. People have a choice. They don't need your medical brown shirt showing up at their door ordering vaccinations. Now she's talking about the idea that Biden had of sending people to your door trying to get you to take the vaccine. Again, nothing about the doctors. You can't force people to be part of the human experiment. Now, the FDA had not approved the vaccines yet. They were only emergency approvals. So even if you disagree with her, she's not allowed to say that because that means people are going to kill this doctor. It's insane. Absolutely insane. All right, now... I got to move you to a very interesting story that came out from Just the News. John Solomon, who's really good. And he talks about this Ukraine impeachment story. Do you remember that? During Trump's first impeachment trial, the House Democrats alleged that Ukrainian prosecutor General Viktor Shokin was fired in March 2016 because state officials were widely displeased with his anti-corruption efforts. Not because Shokin was investigating the Ukrainian gas firm Burisma, that had given then-Vice President Biden's son, Hunter, a lucrative job. Remember that? He was making hundreds of thousands of dollars, zero experience, can't speak the language, zero reason ever given, even by Hunter, on why he was hired except for his last name, right? So 
Biden bragged about getting this prosecutor fired. And so Trump was talking to the Ukrainian guy and said, hey, you know, we probably need to look into that. Oh, look at this. It's because they're trying to get rid of Biden. But don't you think it's important to know if a sitting vice president used his power and the, and the money strings of America denying a billion dollar in loan guarantees to protect his son and his name and, and his potential future as a, as a president? Don't you think that's kind of important? That's kind of an abuse of power and that a president should have the right to ask that to be looked into? No, 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 no. Can't be. Because after all, remember, the whole reason that Biden did that was simply because that prosecutor was corrupt. Hmm. Well, was he? First of all, let me remind you, Biden bragged about getting rid of the Ukrainian prosecutor by using American power and American money. Listen, get this one queued up for you. And I was going, supposed to announce that there is another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. Right. See, it was just about getting somebody solid. That's what it was really about. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well, here's the problem. John Solomon, Just the News, and Southeastern Legal Foundation, under Freedom of Information, I got some new memos. And what they showed was that the State Department officials, including then Secretary of State John Kerry, were sending the opposite message to Shokin the summer before his firing. We've been impressed with the ambitious reform and anti-corruption agenda of your government. Hmm. That was from... Victoria Newland, who was then the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs. She wrote that to Shokin, and it had it delivered by our then U.S. Ambassador. Hmm. She also said that Secretary Kerry asked me to reply on his behalf to let Shokin know he enjoyed the full support of the United States. And that was just months before Biden was trying to get him out of there. By the way, the people who were defending it, the House Democrats, excuse me, the House Republicans, saying we were not given this. We did not receive this. We should have received it. That's Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, sorry from the senators, led a detailed investigation in 2020 in Hunter and Joe Biden's business affairs. Mm-hmm. Said, so look, this underscores how congressional oversight has really diminished over the years, mainly because we don't have enforcement powers. And they know that. And so they run out the clock. Hmm. Yep. You see it all the time. Newland's memo was sent about six months before the New York Times reported that Hunter Biden's role as a board member and consultant to Burisma Holdings undermined U.S. anti-corruption efforts in Ukraine. See, Shokin already had an ongoing corruption investigation into that gas company. So he's already investigating it, trying to root out the corruption. Hmm. Series of columns by John Solomon back at the time exposed Biden's threat and revealed some U.S. officials feared it had created an appearance of a conflict of interest. No. House Democrats repeatedly argued Trump had no basis to request an investigation and that Biden's effort to fire Shokin was legitimate because, you know, everybody knew he was corrupt. But Newland in 2020 testimony to the Senate claimed she and other state officials officials were frustrated by the summer that Shokin wasn't doing enough to fight corruption. Well, the summer's when she gave him that letter telling him how great he was. And her testimony of widespread frustration is undercut by another State Department document. It shows 
in October 2015, just two months before he's gone, a U.S. multi-agency task force on Ukraine had concluded Ukraine had made good progress in fighting corruption and deserved the loan guarantee. Wow. So they withheld exculpatory information. That's against the law. And they just said things that weren't true. Will anybody talk about this now? Shouldn't this be like, and I didn't read you the whole thing. Go check it out at justthenews.com because there's a ton there. But shouldn't this be like front page news everywhere? Shouldn't this be something that we're talking about? No, 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 that was old news. I mean, isn't time we just move on in the immortal world's words of Hillary Clinton? What difference does it make now anyway? Should make a really big difference. Keep an eye out and see if the mainstream media reports what I just told you. President Biden claims the Constitution is always evolving. Oh, yes, we've got to get you this one because he's out there and he said, there's always a renewed national debate every time. Any president nominates a justice because the Constitution is always evolving slightly in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights, etc. No, no, no. The Constitution is not evolving. The Constitution says what it says at the time it was written. And if you don't like it, you can amend it. We have an amendment process. But what, and especially, the Constitution never evolves to curtail rights. The, the entire point of the Constitution is to protect God-given rights right? The inalienable rights endowed upon you by your creator. And yet we've got people like Joe who think that there should be parts of the constitution that evolved to curtail your rights and additional rights. Now, and, and here's the problem. It's true that the Ninth Amendment says uh, that the enumeration in the constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. I 100% agree with that, but that doesn't mean you just make up whatever kind of, quote, right you want, because a right does not equal anything that would require me to give you anything or take anything away from me. I have a right to housing. That means you have the right to force somebody else to give you money to pay for your own housing. No, you don't have a right to that. As much as you want it, you have a right to work for it, but you don't have a right to force other people to pay for it. And you certainly don't have a right to take someone else's life. Well, nobody would do that. Yeah, nobody, nobody would do that except maybe a baby's. This guy is so wrong on the Constitution. And finally, BLM activists in New Jersey on social media threatening to F up, F up the next police funeral. I'm trying to clean up his language. It's Terrell Harper. And here's some of what he said. I'm effing their next funeral up. Talking about the cops because the two cops that were killed in New York City were having the funerals. Daily Mail and New York Post reporting. You ends better not die no time soon because I'm going to F your funeral up. Son, that's going to be my new threat to them. I can't wait for one of you to die so I can F your funeral up. And I can't wait. I'm looking for the next cop funeral. And these threats came right after the funeral for Officer Rivera. Thousands of police lined up outside the church. The funeral for Officer Wilbert Mora will be held at the same location today. That had been a wet dream to F that funeral up, bro, Harper said, referring to the first funeral. Okay, so these are guys that responded to a domestic violence call to try to help a woman. They were ambushed, and this guy wants to F up their funeral. Greg, it's just one guy. There's all kinds of crazies out there. You were saying that earlier. Who cares? You're right. It's just one guy, and I agree. There are crazies on all sides. But this is part of the pattern with BLM and Antifa, that they're not just mad at the bad cops. They believe all cops are bad. All. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience.